when you're really taking care for yourself and making sure that you can show up to things 100%, that's a gift to the people that you're interacting with. Because if you aren't showing up 100% to other people, then you're asking for some of their energy in order to take care of you. And when you're bringing 100%, like you're in a space where you can offer care to somebody else. And that's such a like beautiful thing to be able to share with somebody else. weeks and I'm nervous that I really shouldn't because hopefully this might be someone's first episode and if that's the case I should just be saying welcome. (laughs) However, this week is part two of a conversation with an artist that I love who you heard last week if you were here and if you weren't go back to that one because you're going to be hearing a conversation chopped in two. This is the second half of my talk with Kemi Quillen that we had over Zoom a couple weeks ago. She was at her home in Brooklyn. I was here in LA. And as I always say, when I rarely split these up into two parts, part two is when this conversation really comes alive. Act two of this show is when Things get a little bit more loose. We're a little bit loopy from talking so much. And I rarely split it up and they're just long. However, this conversation was robust enough with content in both parts that I did. Like I said, if you didn't listen last week, you might want to go back for a little bit of context and callbacks, but you could actually probably start now and then listen to that part second if you really wanted to. But if you did listen, you already know that Kimmy is a painter whose work can be seen on the walls of Good Move in Brooklyn, which if you listened to my episode, two episodes actually that I've done with the founder of Good Move, my friend Jules, she's just one of the many mutual friends that Kimmy and I have. And what's really special about this week's episode is that At the end, I pulled some of those mutual friends who have been guests on this podcast, some haven't or haven't yet, and they ask her questions. I'm really excited for you to hear that. She's incredible. Her work's been in Elle, Domino Magazine, Uprise Art. She presented her first solo show, Many Moons, at Chinatown Soup in November of 2019, which we talk about because I was there and that's when we met or around that time is when we met. And since then, she's done another show in 2020 in Philadelphia. And I really love Kemi. She's incredible. And we covered a lot last week, everything from Craigslist to coffee to colors. And this week we get into creating conditions for creativity, how she incorporates chants or serendipities into her work, living a frugal life and supporting her art, sharing work, what she calls intentional chaos, which I really loved. 
We get into her thoughts on riding inspiration waves, the emotional roulette of social media, marketing art, what's inspiring her right now. And we have a really thoughtful discussion about self-care as it relates to activism and much, much more. And like I mentioned at the end, the questions from our mutual pals, including her old roommate and my really good friend, Bob, and his girlfriend, Carolina, who will be coming on this show. And you might know if you've been in Creative Underdogs with me, she's my really good friend. And by the time you're listening to this, they're going to be married, which is really exciting. They're getting married this weekend. And I'm so bummed I'm, I'm not able to go back to New York for it. But congratulations to them congratulations to you for being here i'm so grateful we start in the very middle of this conversation and i'm asking her a question about a question that she gave in an interview that she did before the pandemic that i'm about to read going back to this interview that i read of yours from slightly before the pandemic, you wrote that you can't force creation, but you must constantly cultivate a positive mental environment for it to arise. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how you do that or how are you doing that lately? Oh, I love that last part of it. I, I remember writing that and I definitely believe it. I mean, priming ourselves with the people that we're around, with the ways that we care for our bodies, all of the ways that we care for ourselves is so important. And I think recently I've just been exploring this part that's been missing basically my whole life of that, which is not planning. <laughs> and I've just been thinking a lot lately about how like resting and not having anything to do is one of the best gifts I can give to myself. I, as you were saying, oh, as I realized I was getting a glass of water, I was like, I could pick up a pencil and grab a notebook and whatever. I think like my whole life I've been such an intense optimizer of time and so efficient. I consider myself to have like a lot of energy. And so like, I'll get a hilarious number of things done in one day because I'm like, oh, I'll do this. And then on the way to that, I'll do this and this. And I think um, right now what I'm like celebrating and investigating is not doing that and allowing sort of like open-ended things to happen, not having an agenda for the day laying down and like reading a book for an hour in the middle of the afternoon or like calling up a friend and staying on the phone with them for an hour or more. And these types of things, this is kind of what I've been thinking about with like wherever the next body of work comes from. I just want them to feel worth people's time like worth my time and worth somebody's time of consideration. And in order to create something that has that gravity, I think that you have to like really kind of let the water settle and let all the sediment go to the bottom and find out what the clearness is and 
yeah, that's kind of how I'm doing that right now. Mm, I really, really love that and relate to it deeply. That's that's something that I say in in my book about journaling, that settling of or maybe I don't say it in, in the book, but I used to teach this workshop at Kripalu every year and we would, oh no, I do know where I got this. This is not mine, <gasps> but I used to go to every Wednesday, I would meet my friend, Angie, people who listen to this podcast know Angie. She's an amazing architect and feng shui consultant and interior designer and a really close friend of mine who's done this podcast more than most and she was a member at the Rubin Museum which is one of my favorite museums in in New York yeah and if you know if people know where it is it's it's kind of in the middle of Manhattan or at least like in the middle of my sort of Manhattan (laughs) because it's I guess it's pretty low down it's on 17th street but it felt like it was kind of in the middle for me and I would meet her on Wednesdays in the middle of the day at noon, in the middle of the week, what felt like the middle of the city. And they had this meditation for members and she could bring a guest and I was her guest. Mm. And every single day, I, it was like us and all of the senior citizens <laughs> because like, we had these weird jobs that like we could go. Yes. And half the time I didn't even really want to be there. Like I was like mad. I mean, I did want to be there, but I was frustrated by the timing and I it just you know like half the time it didn't quite work but there was something about getting there and meditating in a group and anyway that's unrelated but there was this meditation teacher there and they were incredible teachers like Sharon Salzberg and just really people I I read their books and admired and you know I, I don't take that for granted especially now and Someone gave this analogy of she brought a jar of glitter on the stage Uh and in glitter and water, if people can visualize it, and she shook it up and she was like, or before she shook it up, she showed the the jar of glitter with the settled glitter at the bottom. She's like, this is what we wake up with essentially. Mm. But every interaction in the day shakes up your glitter. And then we like passed it around. So it was like, you know, parking ticket, two shakes, like weird call with your mom, four shakes, nice moment in the middle of the day, settle for two minutes or whatever it was. And so I would do that whenever I was at Kripalu, it was like our, you know, kind of mascot for the the weekend of, and I think having these things that settle our glitter, whether it's meditating in the middle of the day or journaling or just anything that's, I guess, self-care, but I'm apprehensive to even use that word because it's gotten hijacked by the diet industry. And I think post-pandemic and just in our culture, it means it can be so sort of catchy and I don't even really like it, which is, which is sad because I think it's a term that I know is a term that came from activists and has really beautiful roots, but like anything in capitalism, I think it can, the, the meaning can shift, but Essentially, self-care, like what we were saying before about getting to know yourself and your patterning, my friend Meredith and I were talking about this exact thing of needing space and time and alone time to ponder, to 
sit and do nothing and read a book to call a friend to, you know, I spend most of my days wandering around Highland Park, firing off hundreds of voice texts to my friends (laughs) and talking on the phone and listening to music and podcasts. Like that's how I spend most of my days. And I'm sure I could be doing a lot, a lot more, but um, I, I think that is so important to know what settles your glitter and know that what settles your glitter is different than what settles mine. And it's different what settles my glitter based on different phases of, of cycles. Like I know, you know, depending on what time of the cycle I'm in, like I need to like be alone and insular and I need to be around people and other phases. And I think it's just, getting to know that. And it sounds like you really know yourself and and know your patterning. And I I think that's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, listen, we could all be doing more. That's exactly what every single message (laughs) that we're receiving. Like, this is so funny because this is part of me living in New York for so long where I'm like every single thing that I look at all day at this point, especially like since the time that I moved to New York, but like the advertisements are so deafening at this point. And I'm like, everything that I can do to just do less <laughs> feels like this beautiful little like fuck you to materialism and consumerism. And I'm like, I'm just going to do less. I'm going to do less. I'm going to hide my phone. I'm going to not optimize, you know, and that's, that's like a crazy luxury to exist in this city and not be trying every single moment to survive is that's a huge privilege accomplishment. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I even go back to what I said about like the fact that I can spend a lot of my days do not of course every day. And I, you know, I work at a shop sometimes. And that obviously isn't time that I have the luxury of doing that. But I mean, in my free time, I choose to do to do that. And, and I think us knowing what our self-care looks like for us, I, I started to, to say about Meredith, like we were having this conversation and she might be listening now and she tours as, as a musician and she was saying that she really like self-care to her is alone time doing whatever she wants. Yeah. And I think we all have to figure out what that is. And I wonder, you know, going back to talking about you as a kid and you being so creative and into going down these wormholes, do you feel like a lot of those things you are sharing now about what you do to take care of yourself and, and cultivate that creative receptiveness and following your curiosity, which I think is synonymous with creativity or that's how Elizabeth Gilbert talks about it and in her book on the subject. But do you feel like you were like that innately as a child, but then had to undo some of the Velcro from capitalism or consumerism or society or school or other people? That was such a leading question, I'm realizing. Well, it is. <laughs> I think fairly so, though. You know, like, we're so good as kids. <laughs> when I was a kid, I would 
I wouldn't have known what self care was in the way that a fish doesn't know what water is. Like mm-hmm. my after school time was me doing like I did an insane amount of after school sports. I did like every single sport that was available <laughs> during the time that I was a child. And when I wasn't doing like just burning off energy, then I just loved being in my room and like making things. And so if I was doing one or one or the other of those things, I was so happy. And it was really simple, you know? I mean, without going on a really long tirade about how I feel about the extortion of our system right now, <laughs> I think everything about my life since my early, early 20s has been about maintaining that freedom to do as I please. So like I live frugally. I do a lot of things that don't cost money. I rent library books instead of buying books. I like ride my bike places instead of taking cars or the subway. And my partner and I are both artists and to some degree maintaining our freedom and beautiful independent natures has involved not owning a home or like having kids. And it's a really personal goal of mine to stay vigilant about what I am allowing to affect me, what I am allowing myself to be sold. Yeah. It's a awareness. I I was just talking to a friend this morning about, you know, how we are as kids and that often like hoping we can hold on to that and knowing that some of it we won't and then part of it is is bringing it back and and figuring out how we will and yeah I feel like without that version that I just gave of it was very like dark (laughs) but it is like when we're kids we're happier more easily or I was happy very easily I think I was happy to be outside. I was happy to have friends and I was happy to be allowed to like be curious and creative with things. And I think that, yeah, that's just like, we can still do that. Um, It's possible for us to be happy right now. Like we we're good. We can do that. (laughs) Mm, I love that. I know we forget. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I really like talking about serendipitous moments and kismic connections and running into people on the street and chants. And I read this great question that someone asked you, which I want to steal, Mm. but they asked you how you incorporate chants into your work, which I think is such a great question. And, And I'd love if you could speak on that, but also... How do serendipities impact your general life? Mm. You know, I'm I'm reading the biography of Marina Abramovich right now. Abramovich Mm. or Vick. And if you love serendipity, like find that book because I'm fascinated by her. (laughs) You'll, I think you'll like it. I I have never heard of a person having so many gigantic coincidences occur to their life. It's crazy. And as for me, 
it's almost like I don't know what's kismet anymore. I don't really have much of like a plan or expectation. So like most of the time, I'm just trying to be really open to whatever happens and kind of follow my nose. Um, and whether that's through creating art or checking out a book or going to a show that I heard about. Um, it's almost like everything can feel like like a secret blessing <laughs> yeah. in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's perception. It's, it's how we choose to see it, I guess. Yeah. I know when I, like, some of my earlier paintings had much more, I called it intentional chaos. It had, like, this, like, um, period of, like, pouring paint or, like, just using paint very quickly and then sort of, like, making sense out of that chaos. I've been thinking about kind of, like, making a relationship with a canvas in that way again. Ooh, I really love that phrase, intentional chaos. Mm, yeah. I want to call this episode that. <sighs> I often like think of myself as sort of a tornado of a person, but what I really think I want is, isn't for everything to be tied up in a bow and to do one thing. It's not that, it's just focus. I think anything that fractures our focus is depleting to us, mm. to me. And if I can choose one thing at a time, you know, that's why social media, like I really, I don't know how to be on it and also do other things like in my life. So I can either go into it very intentionally at knowing it's a portal and like, I don't know what I'm going to get. It might give me a lot of dopamine and make me really high, or I might compare myself and feel shitty, or I might just see something that makes me nostalgic and feel sad. Like I literally don't know. Yes. So on days when I have a lot to do, I just don't log in at all. Yeah. And and then the bummer part of it, I think in, in the case of so many of us is all of us really in some way, it, is connected to our livelihood and our work in some way, even if you work a, a job that you wouldn't think is related, like, you know, it is kind of part of a, an extension of our resume in a way or a way people size people up or in dating or whatever. And mm. so then if I just opt out completely, I kind of feel this low level, like should post on that thing probably, or like should connect with pals on that thing, you know, like right. it's like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, but knowing how to intentionally work with chaos, I think is a real power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've been thinking about social media lately as kind of like an, uh, it's like emotional roulette. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like the other day I was having this like incredible, I was just having like a mania of thoughts. I was like riding one of those inspiration waves. It was great. I like wrote down a bunch of ideas. Um, it's just feeling awesome. I came home. And I was like reading a book and then I was like, oh, I was going to put this thing on Instagram. So I like opened up Instagram and I just looked at it for like half an hour and time went by and I was like, God, I was like, wow, what a time suck. And I put it down and I was like, huh, every single ounce of that like inspired creativity that I was feeling before has like deadened now. And I was just like, okay, that's so informative. That's so useful to watch that happen and then be like, okay, so you know that that's a consequence of engaging, you know? It's a roulette. 
Yeah. And there's a sadness to that, I think. You know, I think there's a real grief to knowing that, you know, we both have to and choose to interact with it in different ways. And of course, like, I know there are worlds in which we could opt out, but for the sake of this conversation, like, not including that. And yeah, I, it's a real conundrum, but I like the phrase intentional chaos and I like viewing it as a portal. And I like what you said about just, again, gathering data, gathering case studies and information about yourself. And I, I completely relate. I remember recently or not recently, but it's like pierced in my brain. I needed to go on there early. I don't usually go on there in the mornings at all. And I, I've been taking just full days breaks and they'll be like almost euphoric yeah. and I'm able to focus. And and then I'm like, oh, fuck, I, now I'm like behind yeah. and it feels like another inbox, which is like a whole other thing. But I think, and I do, this is like, a, again, a bigger conversation, but, but I, I do, there are really great parts of it. And I do want to share when a new, when this episode comes out, I'm going to want to put it on there yeah. and, and show it to you and your friends and my friends and yeah. our friends and new friends. And <laughs> so I am grateful and it's challenging. And, and anyway, this is many months ago, but I went on there because I, my f- really close friend's book had just come out mm. and I wanted to, it like popped into my brain, must've been while I was sleeping. And I, you kind of always feel behind when you're in LA and you used to live in New York because yes. all of your friends have been up for a couple <laughs> hours. And, and so I was like, oh shit, I should like it's already, I think I'd woken up late and it was already, you know, like afternoon there. And so I was like, I'm going to, or maybe not afternoon. It was still early here, but anyway, I went on there and I went to type in her name and a name of someone that I don't know and I don't follow at all, but I know used to date someone I used to date Uh came up. And I don't even know this person, but of course, when that came up before my friend that I follow, I was like, what? How does it know? I, of course, clicked on it. And then someone said, I saw something I didn't want to see that completely took me out Mm -hmm. for like the rest of the day. And that was at like 8 a.m. And I just was like, oh, man, I got to do so much muting and unfollowing and blocking Ugh. and just for self-preservation, right. you know, and and that just feels so complicated and <laughs> right. And you're like, what silly. are they doing? Like, yeah, what are they doing in here? <laughs> yeah. And out of our control in a way and. Anyway, but intentional. The word intentional is just such a good one. And, and pairing it with the dichotomy of chaos, I think, is is really cool. And w- when I was a kid, we we had this thing in, in Michigan, field day. Did you ever have field day in Wisconsin? I don't know. It's like the last day of school and you do all these. We would have teams oh, and you would do, yes. yeah, like water balloon and shoe toss and bag jumping and shit. And in seventh grade, you get to be a like captain or whatever. And basically you like pick costumes and it was cool, (laughs) but we could name our teams and I named my team organized chaos. Oh, see you knew. I thought it was like a cool band name. It was a cool band name. (laughs) My seventh grade self. You are so introspective. I'm really 
wondering what you're learning and contemplating right now. What's been on your mind? You mentioned that biography. Is there anything else? Oh, yes. My friend Rebecca, uh, a couple weeks ago, invited me to the Brooklyn Museum. Um, God, I just love, this is New York for you. She invites me to this thing. She's like, oh, there's going to be a book talk happening at the Brooklyn Museum. It's free. Um, I already got tickets reserved. Do you want to come with me? I was like, yes. So we walked up to the Brooklyn Museum, and it was a conversation between this person named um, Kamra Hakim, who is in charge of something called Activation Residency, which another friend of mine had turned me on to over the pandemic. They were talking with two friends, um, one named Annika Izora, and I'm blanking on the third person's name. So they were having this conversation um, around the book that Camera was putting out, which I'm waiting for in the mail, but I like, just from listening to them talk, I was like, oh my God, these people are using a language of care that like I desperately want to get on the level with. Ugh. It was so beautiful. It was so like respectful and consent-based and like tuned into their bodies as one person would pose a question. Somebody else would like take this beautiful thing and be like, just like you do on the show. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I have never seen people communicate so lovingly with each other in front of an audience. And there were also like two people um, interpreting sign language on the sides of the stage, which I'm like so fascinated by. And I was watching them like it was this like extra dance performance happening. Oh yeah, I love watching that too. <laughs> so yeah. mesmerizing. Um, so yes, yeah, so I'm actually going to see Camera and Annika talk again next week. They're going to be doing a, a installation at Dia in Chelsea. That's like, I don't know, they, when you were talking earlier about self-care and the roots of self-care and how sort of like hesitant you felt about using the word anymore. It's so funny because I have like literally three tabs open on my computer right now about researching like the Black, the Black Panther Party's tenets that they sort of like revolutionized their communities with and doing research into self-care and where this like idea of rest as resistance came from. Yeah. Have you heard that phrase before? Because it is coming up for me over and over again. I think so. I have to go back. I'll send this to you. But one of our first, well, it's a very, very long story, but Let It Out was going to become a magazine and blah, blah, blah. But I, I made this site in the first story that we published for the two seconds that it was going to be a magazine before I realized I didn't have the resources of that and digital Ugh. media was changing and blah, blah, blah. But I interviewed my friend Christy Harrison around about wellness culture and we talked about self-care and the roots of self-care and activism mm -hmm. this was like 2018 and I didn't know any of that like my perception of it was the capitalistic you know right. sort of very like you Health know wellness things yeah the things that you see 
everywhere in advertising and and that I don't know enough about it, but it it definitely planted the seed and I'm curious to to learn more about what you're and and get into the work of the people that you happened upon at the museum. Yeah, totally. I mean, the they're doing it in this like really contemporary version of it. And I know like I think Angela Davis was one of the first people to write about it back in yes. the 70s. Yeah. Um, but it's really cool to watch like, you know, five decades of the evolution of it and people still being like, this is, this isn't like going to get a pedicure or like you said, you know, it's not like buying silk pajamas. It's like actually taking care of yourself. Oh, one of the, this like beautiful phrase that happened during that book talk, I think camera said it and they were talking about how when you do care for yourself, when you're really taking care for yourself and making sure that you can show up to things 100%, that's a gift to the people that you're interacting with. Because if you aren't showing up 100% to other people, then you're asking for some of their energy in order to take care of you. Mm. And when you're bringing 100%, like you're in a space where you can offer care to somebody else. And that's such a like beautiful thing to be able to share with somebody else. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I remember at the peak where, you know, right after George Floyd's death, when everything was happening very quickly around activism and Erica Chitty, who's someone I really admire her work. Do you know her? I don't. I think you would really, really like her, but she has Loom and she made this video that it basically was like, if self-care and taking care of yourself isn't a part of this, it's going to be unsustainable. It's going to be a really big Mm -hmm. boom and then a bust. And that always stuck with me. Mm Mm-hmm. I think these these words th- can be semantics, but the article that we that I was making when I that I was describing was it was more about wellness because I think that word in particular has been much more than self care hijacked by the diet industry in this way that you know I've definitely been overly obsessed with in really problematic ways, and that was what I was interviewing Christy about, and you know. I've started using the word well-being rather than wellness just because of how it feels so connected to me and this this view of wellness that seems antithetical to to what I'm actually meaning with the word where I think self-care you can do that with anything right like exercise you can change to movement which I sort of like better as a as a phrase and you know instead of dieting or your diet talk about nourishment right or and, but with self care you know there isn't really another word for that you know we're taking care of ourselves it it is what it is and the when you go back to the roots of the word that come from activists doing what Erica was describing. I think that's actually really important yeah. to use the word. Yeah, actually. especially in activism because those are, you know, oftentimes really long-term fights that you're engaging in. And you need a long-term plan to be able to show up to it. <laughs> exactly. 
playing the long game. Marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> well, okay, my computer unfortunately is dying, but I could talk to you forever and <laughs> I'm loving this. this. So amazing. I actually, before we started, I was listening to your podcast and I was like, oh my God, I'm intimidated that these are like two hours long. And now that I'm talking to you, I'm like, okay, but like we could do like a mini series, right? You're so I know, right? Please come with. back. Please <laughs> yes. come back. But your friends will will definitely be bummed if I don't ask you their questions. So I'm going to do that. I mean, I have about a million more for you. This week's episode is brought to you by First Person. Maybe you want to turn back the clock, maybe for vanity, to feel like you were younger, or for a nostalgic reason, or maybe you want to wake up feeling a bit more energized and clear. For me, I really have been craving more focus. I've spoken about it significantly here. And thanks to First Person, today's sponsor, I can take a more active role in my brain's overall health. So the company was founded by two brothers who saw the deteriorating effects Alzheimer's had on their father and grandfather. After 25 years of research and experimentation, they created First Person, which is this innovative, precision-targeted, cognitive supplement system, which uses brain boosting mushrooms, the medicinal benefits of mushrooms to activate the full potential of the human brain. They have three of them. I like them all. My favorite is Sunbeam. Sunbeam is for motivation and focus. It helps maximize productivity and creativity by turning the brain into a more focused mindset. It helps with learning and long-term mental stamina. They also have Golden Hour for joy and connection and Moonlight for deep restorative rest. I like them all. Honestly, I use them all. Start improving your brain health and cognition with First Person. Get 15% off your first order by going to getfirstperson.com and use code LETITOUT. That's G-E-T-F-I-R-S-T-P-E-R-S-O-N.com, code LETITOUT for 15% off your first order. Getfirstperson.com, code LETITOUT. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This week's episode is brought to you by Credit Karma. Are you paying down old credit card debt? A personal loan could be your solution. Loans usually come with fixed monthly payments, making them a simple way to help pay off your credit cards. Plus, loans usually have lower interest rates than credit cards do, and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so you have a better idea of what loan amount you can actually get approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances for approval so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free. It won't affect your credit scores and it could save you money. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Actually, before I ask the questions from them, you mentioned your journaling practice of of writing in different places. I have to ask you about that. Could you tell me a little bit more? Like, do you do a, a morning pages situation? You said you have three journals going at a time. <laughs> <I do. laughs> 
So I have um, like a regular spiral brown notebook that I carry everywhere with me. And that is just the spitting board. Like everything goes in there. It doesn't have to be at organized or full or whatever. I have like to-do lists. I have grocery lists. I have like paint samples. Everything goes in there on like a daily basis. And then I have, I mean, I've been writing in journals since I was in like third or fourth grade. So I have a, like a heavyweight, it's by this weird Spanish brand called like Michelrius or something journal that I write in when I'm having mm, kind of mostly when I'm trying to like work out a larger philosophy around something. So right now I'm writing in it a lot because I'm trying to understand what the priorities of the next body of work are. What's my subject matter? Why do I feel like that needs attention through the work? What, you know? And then I also have these very fascinating journals that I started writing in 15 years ago. I was gifted one by a very beautiful boss that I was working for. And it's called a five-year journal. And so each page of the year has or each day of the year has one page in it. And each page has a space for like five little tiny paragraphs. So every April 7th or whatever of a year, I'm writing on the same page as I was on the last year of the same day. So like as you're going through these over the years, like today I was reading back from two years ago and I was like, oh, it's so hard to be cooped up inside with the pandemic and like, Last year at this time, my partner had been just getting over having COVID. And I was like, we went to the park for the first time today in 12 days. And like, that felt so amazing. But yeah, so that's my daily journal that I always write. Just kind of like, this is what happened today. In Okay, so I'm going to ask you some questions from our mutual friends. I love <laughs> this. It's so beautiful. So first, Bob says... I love Kimmy. Oh man, I don't know. She's so talented. She's done so much cool shit. There must be a good question in there somewhere. Like the art of her mediums, she was making and selling really cool bikinis for a long time. And then she moved to painting. So maybe a question could be something like how she chooses a medium each day or how she views the different mediums that she's using to create her art. Mm. Yes. I love Bob. Bob and I actually live together. I know. I love that. Oh my God. It's so funny. Bless him for taking us in. Mediums. So that's kind of an intuition thing. So last year I was asked by somebody to do a like replica of an oil painting that was very important to them. And so I was like, well, I have to learn oil paints in order to do this. Like I can't just whip this out in acrylic. So I spent like a good chunk of last year <laughs> learning about oil paints and what qualities they have. Let me just make this short and sweet. You choose a medium because mediums have personalities. And if you have a vision of what you want to do, you know whose personality is going to fit best with that. Ooh, I love that. Such a good answer and question. Well, related to you living with Bob, his partner, Caro, said she has another question for you, but she said that you were the person that first turned her on to eating hummus for dinner. <laughs> and 
I'm curious if you, A, still eat hummus for dinner sometimes and <laughs> what your go-to dinner is recently, or I usually ask people on this, what's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? Oh, okay. I have to give a shout out because over the pandemic, um, my partner's mom sent us a cookbook and it is by this woman named Laura Wright. She's Canadian and she's a plant-based cook. So I've been vegetarian since high school and I don't know, just makes cooking so much more joyful for me to have like vegetables be the ingredient. <laughs> yeah. But so many cookbooks that I would come across that were for vegetarians or vegans, they're either like trying to imitate whatever. I'm not going to waste time talking about that. Yeah. But um, her recipes are so straightforward. They're like 100% success rate. They're made with normal pantry ingredients. Um, and I just like cannot recommend her enough. I cook something from her cookbook or her website, like probably four nights a week. Mm, I love that. Oh, I'm going to check so it out. Good. Yeah. It's called the first mess is her. Oh yeah. Website. I think I, heard I, I've heard of that. Cool. Oh, so good. Can't recommend it enough. Oh, I love that. So Carol had a really good question for you. How are you able to merge the business and marketing side that is needed as an artist in such an authentic way? Mm. I feel really fortunate that like, so when I was in high school, I started planning having a coffee shop and I think I've always had kind of like an entrepreneurial bent that balances out my artistic ideas. And I would say that as far as marketing goes, I, I, I don't really have to put myself through like a quote unquote marketing lens. Like I don't have to send out like coupons or newsletters about what I'm doing. And Instagram, you know, is kind of an ideal platform for visual artists. Um, so I think like, I don't think of it as marketing as much as like sharing and yeah. when I feel inspired to share something, then I'm like, that's a pretty good metric for when I should share something. <laughs> I love that. That was so good. This one is from Jules. And she says, I'm so happy you're talking to Kimmy. I mean, this is so nerdy, but of course <laughs> I want to hear her talk about her dance practice and how, oh. if at all, it has inspired or changed her painting. She's such a good dancer, by the way, oh. and I know she won't tell you that herself. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, and this, of course, is our mutual friend Jules, founder of Good Move, where Kimmy has done a beautiful mural, two beautiful murals. And we talked about that process in. Jules's second episode on this podcast. Yes, which is so worth a listen. God, she is, she's a phenom. Damn. So, I mean, I just can't even say enough good things about what good move and what Jules's dance practice has done for me. Like, I, so amongst all of the things like the sports that I engaged in when I was a kid, I never took dance classes until I was 18. I signed up for like an adult level ballet course. <laughs> and it was very funny, but it didn't lead me to continue dancing. So when Jules started Good Move, I was there from like day one and just responded to 
the dance classes in such a complete joy kind of way. I think as like an artist, it's really important and it's just so beautiful to engage in a totally different type of art practice. And so like to use my body as the medium during dancing freed me up into this like whole other realm of creation. I know that she knows, or I hope that she knows that she's been so inspirational to me. Like we collaborated on a dance piece that we performed in Oaxaca when I was on um, a residency there called Poco a Poco. And she has given me so much confidence in like using my body and in like questioning the body and what the beauty is in that and how to translate it into like a visual arena so I mean dance and the art practice are very close right now okay this one is from speaking of good move another instructor Haley Hill who has just had a birthday party with this weekend she is I texted her this morning and she was like I'm boarding a plane I hope this sends but I'm really curious if her mood ever affects her work. Have you ever been in a specific mood before painting and noticed a shift in mood after? And what was the shift like? Mm. Oh, yes. I mean, both ways up and down. (laughs) It depends on how much I like what I made that day. (laughs) But it definitely affects my mood. I mean, most of the time, if I can get myself to the studio and have a few hours in there, I come out feeling better. I would say that is my like 95% of the time. And sometimes this just happens when I'm making a painting. Like I'm really excited about the idea. I think it's the best idea ever. Two thirds of the way through, I hate it and I want to quit and I don't let myself quit. And then by the time I'm done with it, I'm like, okay, I think that's okay. Yeah. The creative process of like knowing what you do want by knowing what you don't want and moving through the other side. And yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, This one comes from Misty Boyce, who has been on this podcast. You you have a billion friends in common. (laughs) I know. I I looked at our Instagram and I happened to be texting Misty because I was maybe going to go over there and babysit because she had had a show and Anyway, I was like, happened to be texting her today. And I was like, wait, I think she knows you too. Cause it just came up when I was preparing and I looked at your Instagram. There were so many, <laughs> there were so many that I, I could have like really gone, gone deep, but Misty and I happened to be texting, but I love her question. This is a good one to, to end with, but she says, tell her hi from me. And when was the last time that she laughed until her tummy hurt and what did it? Oh my God. Oh, I do a lot. I laugh very frequently. Oh man. I'll say this. Um, I work part-time at a restaurant and it is like the craziest. It's like the most hilarious work situation I've ever had. We, so like, for instance, last night, it's like, 10 45 p.m we close at 11 there's like two tables left in the restaurant and we are singing the staff nobody asked us for this we are singing (laughs) at the top of our lungs what's this song 
Somebody, Somebody once told me that it's like this, like yes. Nobody wanted that, and we were just doing it. We were laughing so hard. Oh, it's so obnoxious. But I laugh at work so hard, pretty much every single time I show up. It's a joyful. Oh. It's a joyful place. That makes me so happy. I love that. That's yeah. a really good one. And that was a great question. That our our mutual friend Misty and I, our friend Pete, always asks that on his podcast. And it's my favorite favorite question to ask people it's so sweet so, so good yeah god well i could ask you a million more things but you mentioned your your partner a couple of times what's your greatest lesson on romantic relationships oh god respect each other <laughs> yeah that's a huge one i think like we've been together for 10 years and i am absolutely infatuated with him (laughs) and I think just like every single moment like the thing about romantic relationships for me that I'm in this phase of my life in like it is about every single minute that you're together being you know tender with one another and being respectful of one another and and showing your affection um It's so important. I know uh, my meditation teacher, one of them says, you know, we have to have 10 pieces of positive feedback in order to counteract one piece of negative feedback. And just got to give them all the, you got to give them all the positive ones that you can stockpile them. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I really, really like that. Well, we're on 3% with my computer. So oh my gosh. Yes. I, I guess we have to wrap up, which is such a bummer because I so want to keep talking to you and ask you a million more questions. But how do you feel? Do you feel like you let it out all the way? Is there anything that you wish that I would have asked about that I didn't? Anything that you really wanted to talk about that you didn't get to? Oh, no, there's not. You just make such a beautiful, safe space for talking in i i'm so grateful to you for doing this and putting this together well thank you so much kimmy you are incredible and one of my favorite artists right now and in general of all time and and people and i'm (laughs) I'm so happy to have gotten to meet you before i left new york and and hopefully get to see you soon next time i'm there you're here and and on the internet before then yes well, let's um, let out a sigh. Ready? Right. Yes. Inhale. <laughs> ah. Yeah, you kind of need it after three hours. It's kind of like oh, coming yeah. up for air after swimming. <laughs> it's a big. It's a big breath. Thank you so much. You're you're truly incredible, and I'm I'm Thank so glad you. you you did this. Me too. Thank you for inviting me. All right, part one, part two of my conversation with artist Kimmy Quillen. I really love her. I love talking to her so much. I hope I get to speak to her soon again. And I hope you really liked eavesdropping on this one. I do this every week, right? And there's about to be 400 of them. And some of them I love, some of them, you know, I like. This one I really loved. I really loved a couple of them, actually. The one with Sam, I 
thought was hilarious and I really enjoyed recording that. So if you haven't listened to my episode with Sam Salad, the founder of Meals, go back to that one. And thank you to everyone who was so nice to me about the episode with Maria Brito. I pretty vulnerably shared in there just about where I am creatively and Maria really gave me a pep talk and a coaching session and was really nice. So thank you if you listened to that one. And of course, I loved having Sasha on for my for my birthday. And what else have we had recently? I had to go look. <laughs> we had Vanessa talking about herbalism. I loved that one. Norma Kamali, a true icon. And last season, off the top of my head, one that I really loved was with... Carrie Lynn from Cat Beauty. So if you haven't gone back and listened to that one, I want to have her back on. I went to Malibu and recorded that at her house one morning and it was a real favorite of yours and mine. And maybe you can hear Blue, my friend Heidi's dog snoring in the background, but I'm actually sitting and recording this in Heidi's studio because I'm dog sitting. So of course that one with with Heidi Baker, founder of Ozma of California. And I think right around that time, I had another conversation that covered surfing, which was with Buck Meek from Big Thief. So there's a couple that you might want to go back to if you missed, or maybe maybe those are your least favorite. Who knows? Let me know which ones you like if you listen every week. And Jules, maybe go back and listen to my episode with Jules. That was the last episode of 2021 and the first episode of 2020 that we recorded in 2019. So she's done the podcast twice and so much changed between those conversations. It was the last one I recorded in person in New York and the first one that I recorded in person here. No, that's not even true. It was one of the early ones I recorded here. Oh, and this season I did split one up recently with Natasha Zoe Garrett, founder of Rome Vintage and that part one and part two of that conversation, I really liked this year. There's a lot there. We're getting close to 400. Should we do something special for episode 400? I'm thinking no. However, I don't really get a performance review in my job and 400, it's a lot. It's a big number. And I can't believe I'm still doing this, but we're going to keep going. Thank you so much for being here. Follow Kimmy and everything she does. And if you are in the same place as her next show, I highly recommend going and, and getting to look at her art. Just a couple housekeeping announcements I'll leave you with. So if you want to get the show notes, links to everything we talked about, emailed to you, as well as a personal essay from me every week or so, used to be weekly. Now it's periodically <laughs> the let it out letter, my newsletter. The link is in the show notes to join that. It's free. Like everything we do here. And if you do want to support this show so I can keep doing 400 more, it really helps so much if you leave a freaking review on iTunes or rate it on Spotify and you know, share it with a friend. That would be so helpful if you think they would like it. It it really does help. And of course, supporting the sponsors 
letting them know that I sent you helps me and I'm so, so grateful. This is a good announcement. Our next zine is almost done. I've been working on it for a long time, but my friend Zoe and I made the art together right before she left for Europe. We did this interesting collaborative collage project and I'm going to get it scanned and that's going to be the cover art, which is really special. And it's about creativity. It's about being in process. It's about, well, you'll see the information about all of that will be in the newsletter. And since I read a little bit of the newsletter last week, I will just tell you that the one I'm about to press send on right now is a follow-up from that one, which was a really long dispatch about how I'm not where I thought I would be at my age, but I'm actually really grateful for where I am. And I was nervous to send that one out. It felt kind of vulnerable. And my friend Bianca texted me right after I sent it out because she was there the day the story that I tell at the beginning of that newsletter happened where someone was like, you'll get there. And that was 2016 and I have not gotten anywhere close to to there. I've gotten somewhere else though. And I went over to Jesse and Bianca. Jesse is Bianca's wife. I went over to their house right after that happened and I told them the story and Jesse was standing there in a red bathrobe and she gave me this pump up talk about where I was going. And what that last email missed was how during a rejection or a failure or a twist or a low moment, you need tenacity and support to keep going, like a level of grit and persistence and determination that'll keep you moving. And then you also need a support system of people who can boost us up when we're down. And the tenacity without the support, I think, is fleeting. And Jesse's pep talk that day helped to keep me moving, which I think is really important. And if I spend too much time alone in my head, I can get stuck up there and go right into self-loathing and just spiral in disappointment. But having consistent, dependable people around to prop me up has really been my only way out. And my friend Crystal pointed it out to me of, you know, even just people I see consistently, like going to the coffee shop in the morning and talking to people when I live and work alone is a way I get validation and dopamine and it helps me to keep going. And I'm really grateful and lucky that I have a variety of friendships and they're all important, but they're all really unique. You know, some of them are consistent and dependable and reliable and others are unreliable and spontaneous and wildly inconsistent. And I used to probably put a judgment on one as being better than the other. But now, you know, I I see it more as some of us have the capacity to be consistent and some of us have the capacity to be hilarious and spontaneous and entertaining and know where all the cool things are, but don't have the capacity to be consistent, at least right now, and vice versa. And I am fortunate to have both I can be both. And Julia Cameron in in an interview about the artist way that I re-listened to this week because I was sending it to a friend, she was talking about the importance of having a support person and how this is what she says. I have it right here. She says, we 
can sort our friends into several categories. And that takes a bit of time to figure out precisely who would be your support person. A lot of times we have somebody on our list who actually undercuts us. So we find ourselves going to the wrong people for support. So I heard that and it made me contemplate the different types of people that I have in in my life. And over time, like I said, I've learned to differentiate my friends and know their strengths and celebrate the tendencies that they do have. And that makes me not bothered at all about what they are not capable of and, and don't have. And friendship in general is something that I think about and I contemplate a lot. They're the most important and they're the most important relationships in my life. Sure. But they're also the relationships that I do every day. You know, that's, I was going to say most consistent. And I guess that's true. And and friendships are delicate and complex. And this Pulitzer Prize winning writer, Jennifer Senior, wrote this article for The Atlantic that kind of sums it up. But she says, it's your friends who break your heart. That's the title of the piece. And I reread it again this weekend because a good friend of mine, Kayleen Schaefer, who's done this show before, was coming to town. She was in LA and we got to go to dinner and Kayleen and I are working on a project about friendship and rereading that piece. I was reminded of this beautiful quote from Benjamin Taylor when he was asked about his close friendship with Philip Roth. And this is what he said. I have it right here. Philip made me feel that my best self was my real self. I think that's what happens when friendships succeed. The person is giving back to you the feelings you wish you could give yourself and seeing the person you wish to be in the world. Whew, I really love that. You should read the whole piece. It's very long, but but worthwhile and, and a worthwhile read. You can even listen to it. I think they have someone reading it. But that's it, right? Seeing people at their best and helping them to move closer to their best. That's an ideal way to support each other. That's an ideal version of friendship. And I think sometimes we have to outsource how we feel about ourselves to people who love us when we're feeling down, because that will actually be closer to the truth and the bullshit we're telling ourselves. At least that's that's Josh Radner told me that. I like a version of that on the podcast once. And I think his therapist told him that. And I think it's uh, true, <laughs> turns out. And, you know, I think also relying too much on friendships for support can cause strain in them or can even cause them to break up. And these complexities are what Kayleen and I really want to discuss further in our project about friendship. And really, we're, we're making a project about friendship breakup. So I've been talking about the survey that we have for that for a couple of weeks. If you haven't filled that out yet, fill it out. The link is in the show notes. And if you get the Let It Out letter, the link is there too. Kayleen is one of my favorite writers in general, and she's definitely one of my favorite writers on the topic of friendship. Her first book, 2017's Text Me When You Get Home was the first book I ever read on the topic of friendship, which is something that I think about and contemplate a lot. And 
this weekend when she was in LA and we got to catch up over dinner, we talked so much about how my friendships have shifted and deepened. And I asked her about her best friend, Ruthie, and her friendships. And I realized that we talked so much more about friendship than any other topic. I didn't really talk to her about dating or even about work that much. And I wondered, you know, like, will this change? Will I still prioritize friendships when I'm not single, if I have a partner at some point? And Kayleen has a partner and a baby. And she said, yes, that I would. <laughs> and I think that she's right. And I'm I'm really lucky that this is something that I do and I prioritize and I think about a lot because I think we need an abundance of supportive people, as Julia Cameron says in The Artist Way, around us and outside of our romantic partners, outside of our parents and family. And honestly, outside of our friends too. You know, sometimes we need to hire people for these one-sided relationships to truly get the support that we need. And I actually do that too. I, I get to be that support person. And it's one of the most enriching things that I do. Actually, I've been doing it on and off since 2015. I started consulting with people on their podcasts. I did podcast advising where I would help people start a podcast because I was getting so many questions and I was like, all right, well, I can help you with this. And what I ended up doing was a lot less like, this is the microphone you should use. This is how you get it to iTunes. And a lot more of helping people make a thing they want to make, giving them permission, which is so silly and no one needs permission. But the questions were more, what is that person from high school going to think if I do this thing? And it became more philosophical and spiritual even. And I really loved doing it. And so now I I don't just help people start podcasts. I help people in general. A friend of mine who's a therapist, but not mine, <laughs> says everything is everything. So how we show up in our creative pursuits is how we show up in our relationships, how we show up in our friendships, in leisure, <laughs> in work, right? And so I get to be this neutral, caring supporter to people in their creative projects, but also beyond. We talk about whatever comes up. You know, a lot of people recently have been moving. And it's funny because the people who want to work with me in this way are all people who have pretty similar temperaments, right? They're people who have moved to a bunch of cities and have a tendency towards... Actually, that's not true. Not, not all of them. It's been a really wild group of people that, you know, it's like you found seven people on Craigslist or something. That's kind of how random the people that I've been doing this with are. But there's the through line, I think is, well, you know, the through line is I love them all so much. Genuinely. I really, really do. And the tendency right now is that several of them have been moving and that's just not surprising to me because it's something that I've done a lot of times and it moving is messy and jarring. And anyway, like I said, I've been doing this on and off since 2015, but it's felt especially correct lately, like almost kismetly. So the people who have signed up and, and want to, to do this with me, we talk about things we talk about here in the show, 
themes that keep coming up. I usually prescribe morning pages, some of the exercises from my book, actually, all the way from back then that I still do. And I don't know why it's felt so correct. Perhaps it's because we're all a bit hungry for personal connection. And anyway, as a result of that, I want to do it more. So I usually only do a, a set, very, very small amount, but I'm I'm going to do one more. So if if one of you listening would like to do a supportive session, that's what I'm calling them, let me know. But really, you know, to have the capacity to be supportive, we have to manage our energy to be able to have enough to give. And that's what I've learned recently, that it's my responsibility to keep myself resourced, to be able to support others. And I've been doing a better job of that than I had been before. And I have to be self-aware enough to know when I need support and where I can go to get that and who has the capacity to give it to me, right? You know, some of it is through relationships, but also a therapist and a creative advisor and my journal, honestly, of like having a morning page practice and spending a lot of time alone. I start to not feel okay if I'm too busy and overwhelmed, I find that I'm just running around and I'm so disconnected from what's going on with my emotional weather that I am outsourcing my okayness to my conversations with other people, right? I'm asking questions of like, this happened, am I okay? Like all things I could just move through in my journal and self-soothe on, I'm going to other people for. And sometimes it takes a call with my therapist, you know? Sometimes it takes, it just happens to come up in a conversation with a friend and I kind of move through it and ping, I'm on to the next thing. Sometimes it's in my morning pages. Sometimes it moves into a creative project. And, you know, it's interesting. I am, goddamn, I'm just leaning into this being long. <laughs> Sometimes I say to f friends, especially my friend Crystal, I'm so sorry to her. She's definitely not listening because I sent her so many goddamn voice texts that she wouldn't have time to listen to me on this. But basically, I'll start my voice text to Crystal being like, I'm going to keep this tight. Every time I do that, 40 goddamn minutes. <laughs> <sighs> okay, but what I was going to say, at the, and then sometimes like 20 minutes in, I'll be like, all right, well, this is long. So, and then I just lean in and then I go on to tangents, which is, you know, nobody asked for, but I'm here now. So feel free to stop listening at any point in time. Uh, where was I? Oh, I was just going to say, so sometimes it gets worked out in my morning pages, right? And I can just kind of move through whatever. I don't like the word triggering but whatever activated me, right? Maybe it was a weird conversation or I felt embarrassed or whatever it is, I can work it out through journaling, right? Sometimes I need to talk to someone about it or it just comes up in a conversation. And other times it is worked out in something I write either for this newsletter or right now I've been working on this 
short film. <laughs> I don't know if I told, I think I, I have talked about this before, but probably not since 2020. So for those of you who were around back then, but it's actually relevant to today's conversation because she is how I met Kimmy. And I wrote this short film, exquisite corpse style with my friend, Carolina, who of Bob and Carolina, who got married. Congratulations again to them. I'm really making up for my guilt of not going to their wedding by congratulating them a million times on this show. Anyway, Carolina and I have been writing this short film, right? For years <laughs> at this point. And it was her idea, it's her concept. And I have written most of the dialogue. And when I was reading it for the first time in a while, because we're getting back into it and we're honestly finishing it up and figuring out what we're going to do with it. But I read back this dialogue that I wrote in 2020 and I could see what I was wrestling with back then. I could feel how I was really trying to learn about attachment styles and letting go and oh I could just I could it felt like I was working through something and I was and I also it was so who I was back then and and part of it was cringy but part of it was like all right well you know it was one of the places I was working through something that I was working through and I don't feel like I'm there anymore which is great and progress and movement because it would be such a bummer if I read that now and I felt like I was still in the exact same spot <sighs> anyway all right well I'm gonna keep myself well resourced so I can support others maybe you <laughs> and let me know if you want to do it this way you don't put all of that burden on your friendships and romantic relationships and family. And, you know, we need each other. We're not meant to exclusively travel alone. We need dependable, supportive people to prop us up when we're down so we can keep sailing. <laughs> oh, speaking of sailing, last week I mentioned the famous sailor Bernard Mortessier, who forfeited a race to keep going around the world in his boat instead of stop to win. <laughs> and I started reading his book. And so I really hope he had someone to encourage him. And I think he did so far from what I'm reading. I highly recommend it as well. So here's some questions for you to ponder in your journal this week. Where is your there? right now. So if that person said to me, you'll get there, like my there in 2016 was, doesn't matter, very different from where I am now. But now my there, maybe parts of what I wanted in 2016, I still want, but I want a lot of different things now. So write down what your there is. That's kind of a nice, fun one. And then what about who is traveling with you? <laughs> who is supporting you? Who are your supportive people? I think it's good to make a list of them and be send a little bit of gratitude towards them. And something I've been thinking about a lot as well, I'll leave you with this. I used to go to this meditation every Wednesday with my friend Angie. Oh, I think I mentioned it in this episode. Anyway, someone there, Sharon Salzberg, she would say, share the merit. 
share the merit of your meditation with someone. So if you do these journal questions, if you meditate, or let, let's just say that listening to this podcast was your meditation. If you got something from it, perhaps you were listening while you were walking and you took a deep breath with us at the end. So that's a meditation of sorts. <sighs> Share the merit of this with someone else and try to just send a little bit of whatever you got from it to another person energetically, or as I asked, you can definitely share the merit by sharing the show. <laughs> and last, but, but actually this should have been first in light of the really tragic and senseless shooting in Texas last week, if you're listening to this, the day that it came out, if you are a U.S. citizen, consider contacting your senator. And that sort of thing can be really, really overwhelming to me, and I don't know what to do. So I'm including a link in the show notes to a really easy-to-use template for submission, and it's from every town, and, and that'll be there. Okay. I love you so much. Thank you for listening to this unexpectedly long outro. I was like, I'm going to get this done very quickly and go on with my day. That's uh, not the way the cookie crumbled here. Don't forget to fill out the survey for Kayleen and I. It really helps a ton. And I'm excited for the project that we make. You know, friendships ending is something that happens. And there's this language around romantic breakups. And it's almost so well known that it's cliche, right? It's like everybody comes undone and there's crying on the floor and ice cream and whatever, or, you know, that's never really been it for me. It's been a lot of other weird things, but I wrote a whole goddamn zine about that. You might remember. Anyway, the point is coming undone over a friend breakup, at least publicly, isn't the norm. That's why we're looking at friend breakups along with other friendship difficulties in this project. And more people are questioning how to keep their friendships or how to act within them than ever before. Maybe it's the pandemic. Who knows? So if you want to tell us about your friend breakups or if you want to ask other friendship questions we're going to pull in experts who can help us answer them. So fill out the survey and to incentivize it a little bit, Kayleen is offering to give away five copies of her latest book, but you're still so young. It's really good. It cleverly shows the decade of our thirties and how our thirties now are requiring some rethinking, rethinking of these five markers of adulthood previously identified by sociologists in the 1950s. She follows several people over two years and goes into each of those markers for success. So I did a whole podcast with her about that book in 2021, which I will link if you want to listen to it or if you want to get that book. One way to get it is to fill out the survey. We're going to give away five copies of it as well as five copies of my zine, the breakup zine. <laughs> a lot of people actually told me that they used that zine for friend breakups, which was one of the reasons why we wanted to do this project. So thank you again so much for being here. I will talk to you next week. 
Again, if you listen to the episode with Sam Salad, one other thing I want to mention about that at this point, this is like the long outro extraordinaire. I'm just going for it. I, I'm kind of like Bernard Mortessier, honestly. I'm He just wanted to keep sailing around the world. I just now want to keep talking. And here we are. So Meals is one of my favorite clothing lines. It's so weird and different and specific. And I loved my talk with him. I love the Cloud College, which is his store in Highland Park. If you are in Highland Park and you, or you're in LA, come to Highland Park. It's right around the corner from me. Send me a message, honestly. I Maybe I'll meet you there. Who knows? But you can use the code that he made for us, which is let it out for 15% off everything. You can use it on the website, if you don't live in LA, I highly recommend the bath mat. He gave me one. I have a green tie-dye bath mat that is not only very cool, but also the only thing that is colorful in my apartment. <laughs> I also have this like seersucker strapless top that Christine gave me that I wear all the time. And their chore coat is incredible. I highly recommend it. You know, I'm going to tell my friend Captain about this chore coat because I feel like he would actually really like it as well. And of course the chef pants are the classic. I think that's their most well-known thing. Christine wears the chef pants all the time. She's how I know about the brand. She is a model for them. She models the chore coat and the pants in lavender you'll see on the site. And also our friend Maddie. So Christine and Maddie are my very close friends here that you might know. And they've been on the podcast before. They're also friends with Sam and they modeled for meals, which is really cool. But check out the entire site. I mean, get whatever you want. Those are just the things that I, I don't even own the coat or the pants, but you know what? I might use the code and buy them for myself because I've borrowed Maddie and Christine's and I really like them. Oh, what I was going to say about the chef pants actually is that the way Christine wears them, which I think you might like potentially, is she wears them pretty high-waisted with a tank top or like a strapless top. It's kind of her go-to ceramics look. So yeah, it, it's just a really interesting take on workwear that's really specific. And there's a dress actually that's kind of like a, I think they call it an apron dress, but both Christine and Maddie have it. It's white. Highly recommend that. And I've worn it a couple times last summer um, since Christine and I share a closet. And again, since I'm still here, I'm just going to keep keep going and uh, tell you about a supplement I've been taking. This is not a sponsored thing, but if you listen to my episode with Nadine Artemis from earlier this year, and to be honest, speaking of episodes that I loved, I actually really liked that one. We talked about beauty in a way that I thought was interesting. And she mentions at the end a supplement that is not even her brand. <laughs> she has an incredible brand called Living Libations, which I actually do have a discount code for you for. I've been using it since 2013. The discount code for everything is let it out for just in general. Sometimes it's Katie or something, but in the case of this episode, everything is let it out for whatever discount. Easy to remember. But Living Libations is great. You can use the code let it out and that will give you a discount. But the reason that I bring up Nadine is because in her episode, she sort of offhandedly mentions a supplement that she was taking. You know, I think I was asking her about hair. I, I keep joking. I'm having a really bad hair year. Like my hair 
used to be a lot longer and it's not anymore. Basically I cut it and whatever grows very slowly. And Nadine was like, Oh, you got to take this supplement. My friend makes it helps with hair growth, with skin and with aging. And you know what? I am vain. So I ordered the supplement during the conversation. It's pricey. It's weird that I did that, but I've been taking it for five months now and I do notice a difference. And here's the, this is the best part of the story. I went onto their website because my package didn't get delivered. Like something weird happened and and you could like chat with the customer support on the website for the supplement. And the, the founder of the supplement is Nadine's friend, right? But I don't know them at all. So I'm on the chat and I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, it's so, this is so funny. This is a customer support call, but it's actually a uh, chat. This is on, you know, like AIM, but for customer support, I'm, you know what I mean. And I have a track record here. Like I have said, I love you hanging up with customer support on the phone. So this is not a weird occurrence, but basically she saw my name because she, you know, was like, she had my order number and she (laughs) listened to the podcast. She knew who I was. She, she saw that. And so I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like what an amazing way to meet someone who listens to this. And so then I was like, all right, well, this is my time to ask if I can get you a discount code. So I sure did. There's a discount code. If you want to try this supplement, my friend David told me that he tried it because I told him about it and he seems to really like it. And like I said, I've been on it for five months and I do notice a difference. And I switched to a new formula. They have two formulas. One is gluten-free and one is not. And I have been taking the one with gluten for five months and I don't have a problem with gluten. It's completely fine for me. But Natalia told me that she just likes the gluten-free one better. So I switched to that one and, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I just started taking that one like yesterday. So maybe that one will make my hair like Rapunzel. Who knows? But I'm just being honest and telling you about this. If you want to try it, the link is in the show notes. It's called Primadine and the code is let it out. No pressure. Wow. 40 goddamn minutes, just like my messages to Crystal. Well, if you want to try the Let It Out kits, the link is there, and I will keep the code 32 working. We talked about journaling a decent amount here, so the right kit might be the kit for you. It is basically an update from Blue is sleeping next to me, and he's making the cutest noises. Blue is Heidi's dog. Oh my goodness. Anyway, the write kit I made in 2020, actually, around the time I started writing the the short film with Carolina, but it's an update from my book and it has a lot of the same exercises, exercises from how to get organized to help you get into the pockets of your mind that are previously unexplored, right? So when you're doing a practice that's really free flowing and free writing like morning pages, or if you have my book, I call it in the book, the morning dump, which is that exercise, but just a bit more directed, right? So that's in there, the morning dump, as well as a bunch of other exercises that will help you get into these 
corners of your mind that are previously unexplored, right? So think about if you're going into an attic and there's cobwebs in one corner, you're not going to go there unless you choose to go there or someone directs you there. And so these questions help you get there. Essentially, I, I believe if you ask yourself a good question and maybe a question that comes from somewhere else, right? If you get a good question or ask yourself a good question to ponder, you'll often get an intelligent answer from your intuition if you give it enough time and space. That's been the case for me, and that's why I'm still talking about journaling after one million years. <laughs> All right, I love you. This is truly the end. Wow, you got a taste of what it's like to be Crystal, my friend, and honestly, a lot of my friends. <laughs> that's why I walk so much. I'm just firing off voice texts like this to everyone that I know. Watch out. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, when you send me lovely messages on Instagram, I often respond with a voice text. And, oh, actually, I'm going to play one now. I got a really lovely voice text from someone. Oh, I'm blanking on their name right now, but you'll hear in a second. The sweetest voice message answering the question that I asked at the end of last week's episode, which was, do you do the deep breath with me at the end? And... Well, hey, Katie, um, I just finished listening to the latest episode and you asked whether we take the breath with you. And I don't think I've ever not taken the breath, <laughs> to be honest. I find it so centering. So just wanted to let you know, I'm sure I'm one of bazillion. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on.